This podcast is presented by Pass Books and Cat Island Coffeehouse, Jasmine's local bookseller and coffeehouse in Pass Christian. Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right On Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. Hosted by Ebony Lumumba and brought to you by the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's Literary Lawn Party. Chapter 5, Jessman Ward. Jessman Ward is an American novelist and an associate professor of English at Tulane University. She took that appointment in 2014. Ward was born in Berkeley, California. However, at the age of three, her family relocated to Delisle, Mississippi. So she is a true Mississippian. Jessman won the National Book Award in 2011 for her second novel, Salvage the Bones, and she won another National Book Award for her third novel, Sing, Unburied, Sing. She is the first woman to win two National Book Awards for fiction. How impressive. She's also a former Grisham writer in residence from the University of Mississippi. She was there from 2010 to 2011. And in 2017, she was the recipient of the MacArthur Genius Grant from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. She is wonderfully decorated and quintessentially Mississippi. Full disclosure, totally starstruck today talking with (laughs) Jessamyn Ward. She is a Mississippi daughter like myself, and I feel like I've just been orbiting your cosmos uh, for the last maybe like eight to ten years, just kind of not close enough, but just close enough to feel your magic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) No, you're welcome. I'm 100% true. So, you know, I try to have this conversation where it's not like any of the other uh, interviews that you do where folks want to know about your process, and you do a lot of very uh, heavy discourse about what has motivated you to become a writer and sort of the the themes of your work. But I kind of want to know a little bit of the things that make you tick that are a lot lighter. Like, we're all reading you right now. So who are you reading? I actually have been reading. (laughs) So I owe several people um, uh, blurbs (laughs) for their work. (laughs) And so I basically, like when I'm on tour, it's so difficult for me to travel and, you know, teach and, you know, take care of my kids and, you know, just deal with everything else that's going on in my life that I find that when I'm on tour, that I, a lot of times it's so stressful for me that I don't, I feel like I can't read anything heavy that I don't have to read. Right. So I've constantly been reading, um, nonfiction for the next novel that I'm working on because I've been researching, right. Trying to research, um, uh, different, you know, like basically trying to research the slave trade. Oh, wow. Talk about heavy reading. <laughs> yeah. The domestic slave trade. Exactly. And so I was reading a lot of uh, sort of lighter things in my free time. Um, a lot of YA because I'm going to attempt to write a uh, middle grade slash YA books. I was reading a lot of middle grade. Oh, YA girl, books. we are ready for um, that. Yeah. <laughs> but then recently I, I owe several people blurbs. So I've been reading a lot of my peers uh, work. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with uh, Kiese Layman's Heavy, which is just amazing. Yep, um, so, so I read him a few weeks ago. I read Heavy. And then I read uh, one of uh, my friends, Christian K. 
Kiefer, he's coming out with mm-hmm. a book. It's called Phantoms. Really great. Set in California. It has to do with like the Japanese internment camps, and it's set like right after, wow. right after the end of World War Two. Um, and then what else have I read? Oh, and then I read, uh, so Mitchell Jackson, um, I share an editor, actually, uh, I share me, um, Kiese and mm-hmm. Mitchell Jackson actually share an editor, uh, Catherine Belden. Okay. And so Mitchell is her editor too. And so, um, I mean, Mitch, Mitchell is her client too. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell is coming out with a book called Survival Math, which is a memoir, um, which was uh, you know, really like dense and um, complicated. As memoirs typically are. Yeah. 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 So it was, that was really great. And so that's the last, that's the last thing that I read. And now I'm reading um, Daniel Black sent me his manuscript. And so he is next on my list. So I will, I'm, I'm going to read his, his book will, I think will be coming out sometime next year too. So I'm trying to read his books. So I can give him a blurb. So yeah, I've been reading lots of my friends because I'm trying to, you know, spread the love. Yeah. <laughs> you get all the goods before, we, you know, we can get our hands on them. So that, that, that's enviable. Listen, you mentioned I'm also a mother and um, a writer and a college professor. So Again, that's kind of me orbiting this cosmos that you have uh, going on. But you mentioned balancing what you do and your art and your brilliance with taking care of children. And I immediately thought about Bucci Machetta's quote, Nigerian writer Bucci Machetta's quote, that she's a writer because of, not in spite of her children. And so I wonder how motherhood inspires or impacts uh, the work that you produce. How does it inform what we get to read from you. Hmm. That's a really interesting quote. I mean, I, which I had actually, I hadn't encountered before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I understand that idea because, because I, because in part, I feel like, you know, I mean, I was drawn to writing and to literature and to reading before I had children, but I think that, you know, maybe one of the sort of driving factors in doing this kind of creative work and choosing to write about the people that I choose to choose to write about is that I want to make a difference. Like I want readers to come to my work to read about, you know, the kind of people who, you know, black people, poor people, Southern people, and to, you know, see beyond um, like the stereotypes they might have had about those people. I want them to feel for those people and to feel with them. Right. Um, and, And my hope is that like when, readers finish my work then when they go out into the world when they see someone you know who could have been a who could who might who might be a character or who could be a character yeah. in my in my fiction that then they interact they they interact with that person differently they feel for that person they they see that person as a complicated complex human being and I think that being a mother perhaps um you know because we want our kids to live in a better world than the one that we absolutely live in, you know yeah. and so I think the kind of work that we do is is um is hopefully working working towards that, right? So I think yeah. you know that I don't know that that it's something to think about. Yeah, like the impulse to mother, I think can can motivate your work differently. I also think that um, that Leone and that Ma'am are richer characters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. perhaps because I'm a mom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that being a mother has um, I don't know, like made me better aware of, you know, of how um, mothers and women, about how complicated they are and of how their roles 
you know, I don't know, like how we shouldn't have sort of, I don't know, like strict ideas about their roles or. Oh, gosh, yes. I don't know, like how how they can be more than what we think they are, what we think they should they should be. That's not very clear, but. No, it's well, as a for a mother, it's absolutely clear <laughs> this sort of ever evolving role that uh, that we've taken on. And I will tell you this. Um, reading Where the Line Bleeds before I was a mother and then reading it again after I was a mother, uh, it affected me differently, the text. And so mm-hmm. um, really, I guess my understanding for Joshua Kristoff, it, mm-hmm. it, it just expanded, I think. So mm-hmm. kind of what I hear you saying is you acknowledge humanity in a very different way once you have mm-hmm. gestated a human yeah. and, and, you yeah. know, release them into the world. So that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, when I when I taught where the line bleeds, uh, my students automatically connected to a character. I mean, instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And so we spent the class sessions talking more about their life experiences than the text, which I think is a credit to you. And it was really powerful moment. So, you know, I want you to know and I'm sure you hear this a lot, but hear it again, that you, you sort of have encouraged these mostly young black people right, to see themselves in something so powerful and really to give some validity to their own stories. Oh, thank you. That yeah. means a lot. I mean, especially because I felt very young when I wrote my first novel. And mm-hmm. now as, a, as an older, I guess, in ways I am more accomplished as a mm-hmm. writer. And I've, I've evolved as a writer. Like, looking back on my, especially my first novel, I, I feel like I could cringe a little bit because I look at it and you know the writer in me say oh you could have you should have done this differently and you could you could have done yeah. that differently and maybe you should have made all these different choices so but it's it, it does my heart good to like to hear that feedback from you and to know that you know the, the novel where Lam leaves it may not be perfect but that it's still the story is still finding people and it's yeah. still meaning you know it has meaning for readers and so thank you for that. Well, thank you for that. We're talking a little bit about your process and what you what you seek to do with your writing. But I, I kind of want to know whether or not you have any particularly goofy writing habits, like things you have to mm-hmm. have or do that we may not assign to the very sophisticated, <laughs> well-read Jessamine Ward. Give us a little bit that makes us just feel a little bit better about our messiness. <laughs> <laughs> um. You don't want, you would not want, I'm, I'm sitting in the room that I write in right now. Yeah. You would not want to enter this space because, nice. I mean, there's nothing goofy about it. It's just like very disorganized mm-hmm. um, and messy. And I have like a wall of boxes that I have not, um, you know, that have like, I don't know. What's in like them? Who even knows? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not the most like organized and the, the neatest person as far as work. I don't really don't have any rituals. I mean, when I, I, I drink a lot of hot tea, um, even though I live, you know, even though, you know, we live in the like the hot south, but I still drink a lot of um, hot tea. So it, have making tea does help me work. Um, but I mean, other than that, you know, I don't have any like particularly, you know, I don't have my favorite pencils or pens <laughs> yeah. or, you know, Not I just, superstitious. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, not, not nothing super superstitious. I just sort of make myself work. I will say this, and, and I and I've told this story before, so I apologize if you've already heard this. No, but here. one thing that I have to do when I'm writing is, I mean, I, I might still read some, um, you know, nonfiction in order to research and 
and, and if I'm like particularly hungry for language, then I read some poetry when I'm when I'm working on a rough draft um, of my work. But I actually try to avoid reading uh, literary fiction while I'm writing my own literary fiction. Yeah, because I'm just afraid of being influenced, I guess, by other people, like by other people's styles and their form. And so I try to avoid it. So I read a lot of, um, I, I call it fluff. I read a lot of fluffy stuff. <laughs> what is the fluffy stuff? <laughs> well, I read like fantasy. I read YA. I read nice, romance. Yeah. I read, like I just read stuff, you know, I read work that... Um, Has really fun cover art. Yeah, it is really fun cover art where the stories are sort of like rollicking adventures where I don't really have to, where I don't have to um where I don't have to work as a reader, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So the, there's no like difficult prose for me to figure my way Unpack, through. Yeah. Um I'm with you. Yeah, so that's so so that if if anything that's my like silly writing thing that I do is I just like read like uh DJ Older's he his this is another uh, advanced review copy but he yeah. I think it's, I think the book is out now, but he's coming out with like a, um, a middle grade series nice. that's set in alternate reality where there are, where dinosaurs live, oh. right. With human beings <laughs> and they work together and there's some, there's some magic in there too. And like the main characters are kids of color. And that was really fun. I love that. I love the direction that YA and middle grade is going in, in terms of yeah. incorporating all of these new intersections for for young exactly. people. And I'm very excited to hear that you are breaking into that. I'm trying. I mean, my, so my, I don't my, think you're going to have to try very hard. Literary, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like right now I feel the same way I did before I wrote Man We Reach when oh I'd never gosh. written a book length, you know, creative nonfiction piece of work before. Right. So I had to figure out what was going on. And so I still, I feel that way now too. Right. I mean, I've never written a middle grade, um, or why book. So, We'll see. But I, re- I really want to write. I've wanted to write one for years and years and years and years. I think, I mean, ever since I be- became, you know, thought of myself as a writer, I think that I wanted to write that kind of book. But I've just been putting it off for years. So I'm finally going to try it. Yeah, the time is now. I think your timing couldn't be more impeccable. <laughs> so you are quintessentially Mississippi. We are Mississippi sisters. And I think about when I travel, I feel like I'm taking Mississippi with me in ways that are positive in ways that are perhaps there's some negativity projected onto that as Mm -hmm. well. Once folks figure out Mm -hmm. where I'm from, but I want to know what part of Mississippi do you feel goes everywhere with you? What, what does that look like for you? Mm, That's a difficult question to answer. I mean, it's pretty loaded. I don't know. It's like my, my family really, you know, the, I think I take the people with me, my my community, my yeah. family. That's the part that I, yeah, that I really take with me everywhere. And I think that it, when people uh, that I meet uh, sort of have like these negative ideas about Mississippi or negative, you know, kind of like, I don't know, preconceived notions about what it's like to mm-hmm. be from here and what it's like to live here. I think that I, so I immediately react and think about, about, my family and about my community. And I think it makes me a bit defensive yeah. in some ways. Right. Um, especially because I was, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I mean, I think that other people probably feel like this too. Right. But I, but I sort of feel like, you know, Mississippi as a state as a whole, I feel like, okay, so it's just like my family, right? Like, so I can talk right. trash about my <laughs> but family. But you better not. <laughs> but you can't. Yeah. You can't. Like, don't say anything about yeah. my people or else we're going to fight. 
Um, so I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, although I can definitely, I mean, I, like I tell you that story because, you know, there's definitely that I know and perceive that is like, you know, that's backwards about the state and that, you know, I don't know that there's definitely a, a lot of like room for improvement. And I acknowledge that, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's difficult. I mean, you're, yeah, it's difficult because, and I know this has been echoed before too. I mean, you love this place because this is where your family is from. This is where your community is from. This is where, this is home, right? But then, it, this, you know, it can also be a very frustrating place to represent um, and to live, right? Because, because you know, because it can this place can disappoint you, so, you know, so often. So often, and I think that's part of what has kept me and my family here that is if there is going to be this change and progress that we have to be a part of it do you mm-hmm, can you relate to that sort of sentiment i do i mean you know I, like i fight with myself every day mm-hmm. about making the, the the decision you know to move back here to start a family here to raise my kids here you know and I, and i because i wonder like whether or not this is the best place for all of, you know, for, for me to do all of that, you know? Um, and, and so, and so it's like, it's a constant struggle, but I do feel like I'm doing good work here and that it means something for me to be here, you know, with my family, with my community, um, you know, telling the stories that I do using the, 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 the small platform that I have to change, to, to try to ch- create good change um, you know, in this, in this state and, and for the people that I love. So I don't know, I mean, right now it, it's worthwhile, you know, and, and, and I, and even though I, you know, I struggle with it, I, do, I feel like it's good that I'm here. You know, it's good that we're here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I certainly feel that way. And I think there's a, there's a certain pride that I have when I'm able to share your work um, in a in a Mississippi classroom, and then let those young people know that know your background, that you are from here, and this mm-hmm. is your family, and this is your community. I think that's something mm-hmm. that uh, within our generation, I didn't hear a whole lot of. You know, there were Mississippi writers, yeah. but they didn't yeah. look like us, so um, there wasn't. I wasn't able to kind of attach my reality. So it is. It's absolutely um, critical uh, that you've decided to be here. We're, we're grateful for your presence. I want to talk maybe just a little bit about your work as a teacher, because I don't know that you get the chance to really talk about your classroom uh, as much on, you know, maybe on the national level, but tell me a little bit about how your students maybe inspire your work, how you're inspired by them. And, you know, if you run across the the next best thing in writing in your classroom. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, I teach at, Tulane mm-hmm. and there's definitely I, I actually taught my last class for the semester just this past Wednesday yeah. and I told both of my classes I teach an intro to creative writing courses mm-hmm. an advanced fiction workshop and I told both of my classes you know that there that there was no lack of talent you know in in those courses and I and I meant it um, and then I always you know so, so then I also told them that 
you know, there's no lack of talent here. It's just that, you know, you have to take what you learned in this classroom Mm -hmm. and carry it with you outside of the classroom. And if this is something that you really want to want, that you really want, you know, for yourself and in your life, you have to fight for it. You have to commit to it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like every semester, I mean, groups of students, you know, who, you know, are very talented and whose work is really promising and, um, you know, and, and who I would love to see join the conversation, you know, of literature one day and to publish. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's just <laughs> the question, <laughs> you know, the question is, yeah. you know, will they continue, right? Will they, is this something that they will actually, you know, try to Stick be to. successful in? Um I don't know. I, I, I always, in, in my classes, I always try to make that, try to um, make the, make the, make them feel safe and make the environment, the classroom environment feel supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, because I feel like, you know, they, if this is something that they really want, want to do, that they're going to hear from many, all like many people around them, that it's impossible, you know, that this is something that they'll never be able to accomplish, right? And that the odds are against them. And while, I mean, that is true, right? The odds are against them. It's very difficult to, um, you know, to successfully publish. Um, but, but, but my job is not, I feel like my job is not to discourage them, that my job is to encourage them. My job is to be one of those people who says, well, actually, it is possible and you can do it. And you're you know, the leave, living, breathing example can, of that. Yeah. yeah. Make a choice and take a step and, you know, begin to walk down this road that might one day lead you, you know, to um, to being a, a published writer. I love that. It's probably the wrong time of year for me to even have asked that question. The end of the semester pep talk when you, <laughs> you got grading and, and finals and that sort of thing. I can certainly I can certainly relate. I'm also you know interested in this sort of evolution of writing. And maybe how it affects you and the way that you teach creative writing. I was um, I was in my first year of doctoral coursework when you were the Grisham uh, fellow at University of Mississippi, and so I kind of got to hear from your students were my were my cohort. Uh, so oh, wow. yeah, I got to hear kind of what was going on in the classroom, and I was so um, intrigued by it. And not being a creative writer really intimidated also to to oh. kind of broach that genre uh, of writing but I appreciated a lot of the things that I heard just in the openness that you brought to the classroom and I'm interested now you know in this sort of evolution of writing where Twitter is a part and I mean social media has given an opportunity and maybe even taken away some opportunities um, for young writers how is that how does that affect your work and then maybe, you know, your approach to teaching creative writing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I have, it's interesting how, like how Twitter has become a tool for writers and mm-hmm. how it has allowed, especially poets, I think, to really build, um, to have access to an audience that perhaps, they didn't have access to before right, right. that social media platform, you know, like, like, you know, I, I feel like I know many poets, many young, um, really good, good, great poets on Twitter who now have this reach that perhaps I don't think they had. Um, I don't know before the advent of Twitter. So I, I, I actually said that to my students um, 
in one of my classes this year, I, I said, you know, like you want to be aware that, um, you know, like it, if this is something, again, this is just something that you want to pursue, um, that if you have like a large social media following, that it might make, it might sort of, I guess, grease the cogs, right? Yeah, yeah. Machine and it, it, it might make it a bit easier for you, mm-hmm. you know, to, um, you know, you know, like if you can demonstrate to publishing companies that here, I already have an audience, right? This is built in. These are people That's who purchased true. my yeah. book, right? That it might make it a bit, um, it a bit easier. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, so it has become important. I, I mean, I, I. Do you feel the need to I, I, have those conversations? I'm just thinking about Angie Thomas and her talking about the, this is kind of where the hate you give was born she kind of put out a question yeah. on twitter and now we have this monstrosity of great you know great writing production and now it's a film and it started there so it just adds i think an element to your syllabus i guess oh i didn't even realize that that, that that's how I, yeah. I, I had no idea that was that was the origin story for that for that book i don't know i mean i i, I do think it's a conversation that we have well, that we have to have um you know i my, I mean, I'm I'm not the the savviest. Yeah, uh, neither uh, am I. <laughs> pers- person <laughs> on on Twitter, you know, I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, I, you know, in some ways, have gone about this in a really traditional way. Yeah. Um, as far as like enrolling in MFA programs and mm-hmm. really sort of working my way from the ground up in that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, in 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 writing my books and and trying to reach people and you know get readers um so i i um i don't yeah so like i i don't know i mean i i'm not the best at <laughs> i guess that at, <laughs> at working I. i'm looking system. for tips here so. <laughs> um, yeah but i don't know i mean i you know it all comes back I, i'm not saying that this isn't the case for writers who are very successful on twitter right but i feel like um, you know, it takes a lot of effort it to yeah. be an active presence on Twitter, to be engaged, to interact with lo- thousands and thousands of people on a social social media platform. Um, and I, I don't have the focus and <laughs> and you've got children so. <laughs> time. Yeah, and I have kids. Yeah. Like I just I don't have it in me to. Mm-hmm. I be, I think, as active as I could be on Twitter. Um, and yeah, so yeah. I'm not, you know, and I really try to, I don't know, the, the time the, fo- the time that I do have to focus, yeah. like I'm spending that it's time not... writing. In the real world. <laughs> because right. I'm not the fastest writer either. So, yeah, I just, I, I have to like budget my time. And maybe that's a subject for another lecture, right? Like maybe, you know, I mean, that could be something that I, or not lecture, but maybe that's a conversation that I could have with my students about, you know, how you feel, how you figure out how you're going to allocate your resources, right? How you, you figure out how you're going to allocate your time and your focus and, you know, I don't know, your, 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 your commitment. Budgeting your writing time. Yeah, I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) Taken. I'll give you a footnote. You mentioned, you know, like earlier in our conversation, this desire to make a difference and to ignite or maybe facilitate positive change, especially as we start to think about posterity, like our children, our students. And so, you know, I wonder specifically as a writer, what role you feel that Mississippi's writers have in sort of equitably 
crafting the narrative of this state, you know, one that has been wrought with, you know, our, the the truth of the very true and sort of negative things in our past, but also kind of there are these spaces and gaps about what makes Mississippi um, a really beautiful space. So what role as a writer do you feel that you play in, I don't know, just making sure Mississippi is seen for it in its totality? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I think that's part of what we're doing or attempting to do mm-hmm. as writers, right? Yeah. That we're trying to, you know, create characters who are living in experiences that are, um, you know, that are complicated and that are complex, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our characters, I mean, not only do they, um, you know, do they uh, experience tragedy and pain yeah. and loss and grief, but they also experience joy and laughter and, um, and fulfillment and they experience hope. Right. And so just like the people who live here do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We do. We have, yeah. we have a very dark past right. that is that lives very clearly and heavily with us in mm-hmm. our, in our present, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I feel like that's one, one of the things that, one of the reasons that Mississippi creates so many great writers. And one of the reasons that I work is, is um, m- much of the work that Mississippi writers produce, um, that why it has such a lasting appeal because, yeah. you know, it's not because, you know, we're really wrestling with, you know, with, with, with the weighty, mm-hmm. uh, weighty matters, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot at stake in, in, in the work that we do. Very true. Um, but, but, but I think that it's at the same time that we we're wrestling with weighty matters. I mean, we're still, um, reflecting a world that, um, where light exists and where hope yeah. exists, um, and, and where, where a world where community is important and where kindness is important and compassion is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, that should be, and, and it is, I think reflected in, in, um, you know, it, 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 in our work. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, we, That's you good. know, I, I think that, you know, part of the problem that, that Mississippians face in the outside world. Um, and again, I guess this sort of echoes the earlier question yeah. um, that you asked me about like Mississippi um, is that people, I think that in the larger conversation in the, in the, in the nation that people like to re- reduce us to our trauma. Exactly. And, yeah. and so, yeah. And so as, as, you know, as writers, as artists, as creatives, like we're pushing back against that and mm. we're saying no, like, you know, yes, we are reckoning with our trauma, but we're not just our trauma yeah. more than that. You know, we're complicated human beings living, com- living complicated lives. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of what we're doing um, uh, in our work and, yeah, and I think that that has that has real value, and it can have. I, I hope that it can have real, um, you know, re- repercussions in the outside. You know, like in right the beyond literature world. and mm-hmm. what we read. I think that's I think that's beautiful. It sort of echoes uh, the sentiments you shared this summer in the New York Times uh, article that I very much appreciate. That we're we're we've got some backwoods and backwards things happening, but we, we are a whole community. So. Uh, there's mm-hmm. some there's some beauty and some, some righteousness as well. The mm-hmm. last thing I'll ask you, and you can be just as candid as, and as brief as you like to be, is uh, what what is Mississippi to you? 
<laughs> that's like asking me to I know it's what is your <laughs> like, who's your mom <laughs> what does she mean yeah, to you <laughs> like exactly man I don't even know if I can answer that question I mean one word this could be I don't know it's everything everything, everything. works <laughs> yeah everything works it is it, it is yeah. everything we encompass uh, a little bit of what the rest of the country and perhaps the world uh, deal with daily it's all right mm-hmm. here and uh, what my husband describes as the the hatchet shaped state. Well, Jasmine, it has been such a joy just interacting with you, chatting with you. Thank you for taking a moment away from your family and your work to talk to the folks that listen to us. And I certainly hope to continue orbiting in your cosmos and seeing <laughs> seeing you again very soon. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. This is right on Mississippi. 